We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Fay. With me as always, my guy, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we're back in action. The Nets, they might still be in France. They lose tonight to the Heat, 96-95. Just a lot of negative energy, negative decisions, negative play. We're going to jump to that and plenty more. Why did we come back, Nick? Like, what is <laughs> what more? What what can we say? Anything nice? Like, how are we, we going to get twenty the minutes? <laughs> yeah, are we going to get twenty minutes out of this like decrepit franchise right now with the worst coach since? I I, I, that, I the the pause was there because I can't think of a worse coach. Like, Darvin Ham makes Jacques Vaughn look like Phil Jackson. Yeah, I mean, you could argue Jacques Vaughn's the worst coach in the NBA. Uh, I don't think that's a huge stretch, especially over the course of the last few weeks. And then, you know, we go to the decision this game, obviously went to overtime. There's a questionable call at the end of this one. Looked like Dennis Smith Jr. got the ball clean, at least clean enough where you'd like to challenge in that situation. And then it's like, all right, well, you know, we're not going to challenge. We're going to elect to use that timeout for the offensive possession, make sure we run a play, get a good shot. We don't do that. We just run the ball down the field, down the court. Mikel Bridges takes a terrible shot. Had Cam Thomas wide open on the wing for a three. Obviously, Cam has missed a ton of threes in this game, too. But still, at the end of the day, it's just bad decisions galore. And I think if your head coach is making bad decisions, that kind of carries over to the team because it just doesn't, you know, preach confidence. The ineptitude of Jacques Vaughn is staggering. Like, the... It, Head coaches have the easiest job in comparison to when a game is on. Yeah, you got to make subs. Yeah, you got to do lineups. Yeah, you got to do challenges here or there. Yeah, you got to call timeouts here or there. But for the love of God, you have two clear moments in the game where you can make an effect. And even if the Nets don't win that challenge, you have an opportunity to like run the ball up the court, which is what you freaking did anyway. Like that's what you did. And yeah. It just doesn't make sense because in the other ATO that we had, Mikel Bridges gets the ball in the backcourt and gets all the space in the world to like go really hard and get to the rim. Now, it, it, they just put the ball in his hand. And it's just like, go cook. And it's just like, what kind? Like, I don't understand the decision-making of Jacques Vaughn. It feels like the cogs in his head, like they... He's a revisionist coach. He was like, and even like the shit before the game talking about Noah Clowney. 
He says so much stuff that I'm just like, I, I, I'm, I feel like really bad for for any Nets fan out there that this guy is one of the faces of our franchise. He's the voice of our franchise. And it's just like staggering how stupid he is. Like as a basketball head coach, probably a great bloke, got all the vibes in the world, cool personality, but you're paid to be a head coach. You're paid to make decisions that can affect the game when the moment's called for it. Players have to do it a hundred times and the Nets only hit 34 of a hundred shots tonight. <laughs> Like their decision-making and execution left a lot to be desired as well. But some of that was because Jacques Vaughn started our starting five that has been pitiful beyond belief, you know, of late. And then sub uh, like it subs out Cam Johnson, Cam Thomas for Cam Johnson in moments where the Nets struggle for offense and in a game where Cam Johnson can't hit anything to save his life. I just don't know anymore, Nick. I don't know the like. It's been a while since we've done this buzz, so there's a lot of pent up frustration in both of us. And I apologize if I come off a certain way on this pod, but dear lord, our franchise is in the depths of the doldrums right now. Yeah, I mean, even if you usually with a head coach, they make decisions that you don't like, but that's kind of their mentality. And they're typically, you know, stubborn of some sort and there's some rationale to their thinking. I think the biggest issue with Jacques Vaughn is it doesn't seem like there's any reasoning or rational. It's just like, I'm going with this feeling. I'm going with this vibe, even though it doesn't make any sense. Like literally those sequence at the end of this game just made absolutely no sense. Like we're not talking about a Dennis Smith Jr. play where there was no chance to win the challenge. You know, I think reasonably looking at that challenge, it was 50, 50, you know, you're not a guarantee to win every challenge, but in that situation, it was close enough that that play essentially wins you the game because it looked like the ball went off of Butler on the end of that play. So now you're getting the ball back and the opportunity to just have to hit free throws and win the game. And then instead, even what's happening down the court, you see Mikel's bringing the ball and he's not in a situation of advantage. You probably still have five seconds on the clock. You didn't use the timeout in the first place. Use it now, you know, make sure you get a good shot. And like you said, the other ATL was fine. Mikel Bridges got free throws. We end up in overtime. Like, I, it just there's his reasoning isn't there. And I think that is what's the most frustrating thing. He's he's not making good decisions. You know, the when the Heat run the 17-3 run, you know, he didn't make any changes, just kind of let the game go away. And again, we mentioned this. The players suck. Like the guys have been bad. The there's just so many players not playing well. There's no chemistry. There's no cohesion. There's no like order of like who's in charge, who's taking shots, who's running the team. And that's become a real issue. And it's just kind of a free-for-all out there. And that gets to leadership. That's leadership of the players, but also leadership of the coaching too. And even all the way up to management, I think you start to question, especially looking at this roster and the point card play we watched tonight. It was terrible. Like Spencer Dinwiddie was horrendous. And Dennis Smith Jr. is a good role player, but he's not a good point guard. Like he makes bad decisions. There's a possession in the fourth quarter of this game. He dribbled out the entire shot clock. And you're not, you're not a good ISO player. It's just like so many things on this team make absolutely no sense. And like, you know, you and I, we're not basketball geniuses. You know, we're not, we've been playing the NBA. We haven't worked in basketball for 40 years or anything like that. You're watching the game. I think a casual fan can watch a lot of the mistakes and decisions that the Nets make and understand like, wow, that's just stupid.
my dad like i watch a lot of the games with my dad's with my dad lately and he's not as he's not as long a fan as even me and i'm a, a novice when it comes to basketball knowledge even comparison to you and a lot of other people and he's just like what the hell is going on here like why they keep taking threes what where is the the, the vision where is the game plan where is everything like the nets are directionless they're disjointed like there is no semblance like and it feels a way can, in short term and long term it, it yeah it's just like it, i keep i don't want to keep tooting my own horn here but what both of us said and both of us on the bandwagon are sort of saying is at the start of the year in the preseason we're like oh you don't want to be you know in the, dipping your your toes in in both ends and going all right let's just try and be that kind of middle team you know don't like blow it up or whatever or let's go for a start like just one or the other like they didn't go for damian lillard cool whatever let's try and be like that kind of good team and now there's just like Dejounte murray stuff we can chat about that whenever but like i think as of right now like jacques Vaughn should be fired like yeah i've said we've said this probably i actually don't know if i've actually said that on the pod i probably said it behind the scenes and and to you and the dms and maybe to, to a few other people but to put it on the public platform with the brooklyn buzz i think enough is enough like how much incompetence can you accept like it's just beyond like stupidity like Steph Curry stole my quote the other day of like expecting the same result, doing the same shit over and over again is definition of insanity. Like the Nets are an insane franchise to keep this man employed. Jacques Vaughn was a quality, competent assistant coach in the Steve Nash and the era of the Brooklyn Nets and Sean Marks, whatever, cool. But he's, that's all he is. Like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving masked any coaching competency that this man has. And let's like be honest, the, when you have great players, it's easier to coach because they're able to make up for shortcomings and you're able to focus on other things like just being a motivator. And I think you see how bad his coaching is because this is a team full of mediocre, below average to some above average players. And now your coaching sticks out more. And this is a situation where if you're going to run a unit like this, you need to have a good coach to get the most out of these guys and allow them to be more successful as a unit because they don't have the talent as individuals it's and it's just like there are, we can nitpick every little decision that Jacques Vaughn has or hasn't made till the chaos come home we'd have to do like four hours on on that but like just the starting like we go back to the start of the game where the Nets struggled mightily to create some semblance of offense then they go like one of ten from three and obviously on the night they're like 20 percent as both i think was was it 10 of 50 nick let me just quickly look at it it was 12 of 55 so yeah not much better 22 percent from and the heat he, he were eight of 31 so that, that made the game a lot closer because it shouldn't have been this close the heat had a historically you know bad night for themselves yeah, the third, their first half, it was that third quarter where they started hitting, I think, like five or seven. And it was pretty much it. one guy in Tyler Hero, and they just allowed him to get back-to-back threes at one point in that quarter, too. And I think, again, the, the frustration and the intelligence of the team is in question. And you don't try, isn't, you know, not in a mean way. I don't, I'm not calling anyone, you know, ideally stupid, but it's just like, this stuff just doesn't make sense. You know, you were messaging me during the game, and Mikel Bridges, you know, there's time on the shot clock. He's trying to ISO BAM. Like, it's like, there it's just fine there's easy opportunities to make plays like the heat the way they play defense is they force you to pass the ball they're going to scramble on the court and if you keep making the right decision you're going to probably end up with a decent shot and obviously the nets weren't knocking down threes but there's opportunities for closeouts getting to the rim you know attack bam he's in a game where he played 44 minutes like go at his chest the entire time and make him work it's just like 
they they don't do the things they need to do as a a team that lacks talent. Yeah, you can be frustrated with execution, but enjoy or like respect the process. But the process just isn't there. Like the, I, I think defensively tonight, what we saw was a step in the right direction in terms of the Nets switching pretty heavily, doubling, hedging, scrambling. That's why the Nets were in this game because they were creating off their defensive steals, blocks, and getting the passing lanes, all that different stuff. That was the one positive from tonight. And other than maybe like the first half from Cam Thomas, Royce O'Neal, I think, was, was really good too. But in, in saying that, it's just like, what is going on right now? Like, And we're going to hear some bullshit waffle quote from my fellow named Jacques, and we're just going to be like pulling our hair out even more. We'll go up against Portland. We'll probably get the win. We'll, and that will mask all the absolute frustrating bullshit that Nets fans and people that are involved in the franchise have had to deal with under Jacques Vaughn's tutelage and, and head coach tenure. Like, it's just, where are we going, Nick? Like, you can, it, it's like the Nets are way closer to being a Pistons than they are to being, what's like a top, like a, a Sixers or a Pacers or I mean, whatever. even being a Knicks team, like a Knicks team that yeah. is in a, in a good position with good players and they have picks. And it's like the Nets aren't in that position. You know, the Knicks, a superstar pops on the market. They could potentially make the move and that superstar might want to go there. That's where the Nets wanted to be. And they tried to do that this season. And maybe, you know, they thought it could work after a successful early, you know, session. And then things kind of went downhill. And I think a lot of that tried to show their true colors. You know, we talked about it. We did a stats pod about probably maybe two months ago at this point. The shooting felt like an outlier. And if they'd never got the defense up to being a top 10, they weren't going to be able to maintain winning. And that's what we're seeing now. And I think, you know, quickly looking at their schedule, I think, what are they, 3-13 and 13 in their last 16 games? Two of, those, oh my God. two of those wins coming against Detroit and then one win coming against OKC, which kind of just felt like an outlier game that OKC didn't have it. The Nets were hot from three. They're obviously a substantially better team than the Nets. And, you know, we're talking about a loss to Portland in overtime, the loss tonight to Cleveland. You know, the one again, I mean, the loss against Miami, the loss to Cleveland looks prettier in terms of the numbers, but that was really a blowout especially an embarrassment probably for the NBA sending this team, you know, across the world and them not showing up and just not playing well. It's just like, it's just very disappointing because if you're going to ride with this type of group, you expect them to be competitive, gritty, and, you know, the coach to kind of get the most out of the team. And we're not seeing that guys are not playing well. You talked about a little bit at starting lineup. The starting lineup's been absolutely terrible. The cohesion and the, the mesh of the team right now is off and also the lack of adjustments. You know, you and I've talked about this. You saw this a lot on Twitter tonight. There's not a, a standard across the team. The standard for the starters and the standard for the bench guys is not the same. The leash for guys that are starting in this game is ridiculous. You know, Spencer was benched later in this one, but like you mentioned, Cam Johnson came back in. Just like, what do you even make of the way if you're a player on this team and the treatment that certain guys get over other guys? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Uh, I just think, like, look, I've uh, accused Sean Mark slash Jacques Vaughan of nepotism, but it seems to me that that does have some semblance of an effect where like God, people just like their guys. Cam Johnson's on that big contract. So we did, it's just, there's a different set of rules and a different set of standards as you alluded to Nick. And, you know, we've, we've spoken a big picture about stuff here. And I saw like an article the other day about the Nets wanting to be like the world team, you know, they're getting, and the trip to Paris was like, it was on so many Nets fans everywhere. It's just like, who gives a shit? Like who is going to want to follow a team that is, that has the current trajectory that the current Brooklyn Nets franchise does have. Like you can garner fans through cool social media and TikToks and Ben Simmons doing a photo in front of the Eiffel Tower, but you've got to be freaking good at basketball. You've got to have some semblance of an identity. The product is how you play. It's as simple as that. You can sugarcoat it and make it and put lip gloss on it and make it look as good as you want. But the product of how the Nets are playing right now is and you you and I said this and I'll bring it to the pod behind the scenes. Like we have covered this team for over five years, like six, seven, eight years now, and this is the worst time that we are having yeah. doing this podcast. It is like insufferable, nearly. Like now, I love the process because I get to chat with you, and it's almost like net therapy for for me. But in terms of like, I, I enjoyed more like, as you alluded to, former Lynn Sanity team, you know, Karis LeVert going off against the Boston Celtics. Like there is just, what, what is there to enjoy right now? Like, and I, I'm a CT obsessed, but even like how he's being managed right now leaves a lot to be desired. Mikel Bridges has had his ups and downs and maybe at his best defensive game. Nick Claxton was pretty good, but missed some some. He had a good first half there. and then the second half, he was just not like very impactful just the way the nets like 
their flow and their strategy throughout the game is never cohesive and consistent. It's just like one section, one time you're looking at the game and it's like, wow, they're running everything through Cam Thomas. He's getting an opportunity to really run the show. Next thing you know, Mikel Bridges takes six possessions. Or, or like Claxton had multiple opportunities to kind of run a little offense for himself in the first half. You don't see those same things over. It just It's hard for guys to find a rhythm where there's just like no set pattern or anything because it's not a veteran team. It's not like one of these teams that you know, has years together and they can just go on the court and throw something together and a different guy every night because they're also just not that good. And I think that's one of the biggest problems too is like, you're talking about Jacques Vaughn, but also like now there becomes maybe a little bit more pushback at Sean Marks. It's just like, it, it's not good. And, you know, you relied on Ben Simmons to be a playmaker and advantage creator for this team. That was a huge risk. It backfired. And it's kind of similar to some things we've seen in the past. You know, obviously I think the, the thing that's probably been the least predictable that's happened is Spencer Dinwiddie being terrible. You know, he went from being a good player for the Nets of end of last season, even earlier this year to right now, he's not playable. And you'd really just don't have a guy that can facilitate and run your offense and create some semblance of an advantage. It's like Cam Thomas is learning on the fly. Mikel Bridges doesn't have the ball handling to do that consistently. And like I said, Dennis Smith Jr. I think is just not a great decision maker. Spencer Dinwiddie's trajectory within the Brooklyn Nets franchise and his tenure ever since, you know, reforming his career, you know, in Brooklyn is a credit to him. But where he has gone to now is just like, surely he knows he's getting traded or something. Yeah. Like, I mean, he, when he pulled that three up oh, uh, with like 10 seconds still on the shot clock, it it was just a strange play. It was just not something you normally see in an NBA game from a player like that. He, he's not that, he, like, this is like the worst version of Spencer Dinwiddie. Like Doug Norrie of Locked on Nets posted like his point totals and it was like 3, 10, 11, 7. And it's just like, Spencer Dinwiddie isn't that bad. Like he, yeah. he's just not. Like he's either making himself worse or there's something going on that we don't know, yeah. i.e. you know, trade rumors or whatever he's been told he's being dealt. Or he hates Jacques getting, Vaughn. He hates Jacques Vaughn. He's not getting re-signed. That's probably, there's something from there. Because we heard in the early points of the season that Spencer Dibney had a desire to get re-signed semi-long-term. The Nets didn't have the, the same desire to, to reward Spencer with that. And I'm glad they didn't. But Spencer is now like, just look, if you could get him for DeJounte Murray and filler, like you're doing that in a goddamn heartbeat and you're driving Spencer to, the, to JFK, LaGuardia, wherever the hell he wants to go. Like, it's just... It's a sad state of affairs because he's been a, a near all-star at points for the Brooklyn Nets. And yeah. now he is like a, 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 an awful, awful player. If they got to Spencer Dooney from the 2019-20 season or the 2018-2019 season, they would be in a substantially different spot. Like this is easily the worst he's played. And that even goes back to when he first started off. as like coming up on and off from the G league when he was scared to shoot the ball and really just pass. Like he's just not effective really in any way right now. And it, and it makes it substantially harder for guys that are depending on him to be something, you know, they're depending on him to create for others with the roster. They have Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Dorian Finney Smith, Nick Claxton, even alleviating the pressure from Cam Thomas when they play together. So him not playing well is hurting the entire team. And that also goes back a little bit to Sean Marks for not having a backup plan for him because let's just say Spencer Dunwoody, you know, got injured in October and was out the rest of the year. What are you going to play? Dennis Smith Jr. the entire time? That's a bad idea too. So it's just like the team is not in a great position. We knew that already, but 
There's just so many holes from top to bottom, management, coaching, player performances. Everything is just disappointing. You know, it's just you give a lot of credit to fans who are still following the team and watching games now for considering how poor the play has been. Yeah, the amount of holes, the Nets are Swiss cheese right now, Nick. And yes, like it's just and look, as you alluded to, like there's reverberating effects across the board. Like hearing you speak about like Spencer Dewey and and Sean Mark, you speak about Jacques Vaughn, like in his poor decision making, his poor lineup construction, his poor substitution patterns, his poor lack of decision making just means that everything is increased in terms of the responsibility and execution for others, you know, whether that's assistant coaches, whether that's players, but Two things. Uh, one quote here, sorry, from Jacques Vaughn, Nick. Hmm. Jacques Vaughn not challenging the foul on Dennis Smith Jr. He said, yeah, I got a chance to look at it real quickly during the game. and just felt they weren't going to overturn that. We thought Dennis had his left arm wrapped around the backside. Cool. Then call a freaking timeout the next play, you dunderhead. Yeah, I just don't understand the point of not using the timeout in that situation. And maybe you're saving it for, you know, if you get backed up on the offensive possession, in which they did, you know, Mikel got like essentially trapped. Three guys were going to him. He didn't look comfortable. Try to pull the timeout there if you can. Never did. Never got a quality shot. It's like watching the Nets, like over the course of the last month and a half, you you think that they're tanking, but they, they don't have their pick. So it's like they're not intentionally losing on purpose, but some of the decision-making in which they're doing is essentially losing on purpose. You know, we have gone over the course of the last couple of months and we've talked about different games. You know, I think what that was a Denver Nuggets game where he made the decision to not have, you know, Sharp and Claxon to rebound the basketball down low. And then they, they ended up getting the offensive rebound and the Nets didn't have a chance to win. It's like those type of decisions have happened at least five to 10 times this year. And the Nets wouldn't have won all of these games, but five more wins for a team like this, that's substantial stuff if you're trying to be that grind it competitive team, get into the plane and just like, okay, we got some good role players. We're looking for a superstar. Right now, you're just looking like dysfunction. Yeah, dysfunction with the, the biggest capital D you've ever seen. And bad vibes. Like the like, vibes just don't seem good from the players. Like, yeah, they'll say nice things, they'll joke around, but watching their body language on the court and their interactions with the head coach, a lot of questions. Yeah, look, Mikhail Bridges, you know, after that Bucks game, he's like, oh, I didn't like that decision. And it's just like that there's been plenty of poor decisions. And look, I accuse and Jacques Vaughn of that decision that might have come from Sean Marks, whoever else it was. But it feels like to me that was, you know, there's been plenty of poor decisions and turning points for the downward spiral of the current Nets. But that was certainly one of them and one of the bigger ones this year because that that to me showed you where the Nets franchise is at right now. The how you value the team, how you value the plays, how you value wins and losses. It's just like this is what the game means to us right now. It's just like and what is the decision? Nets fans deserve to know why from that. And we got like here decisions here or there and blah, 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 blah. But it's just like we're the Nets. Like we we don't have a Joel Embiid or we don't have three superstars. We aren't the former Brooklyn Nets. We're not the Phoenix Suns. We're not the current Clippers. We're not the 2020, 2021 Brooklyn Nets. Like you have to like make every game count. And like the way that they are like treating every game or like there's just, I, I can't understand where the franchise is right now. And I don't know. Like, there needs to be, there's like been a, 40 billion circuit breakers either within games or outside of games. And it's just like, what are we waiting for Ben Simmons to come back to change this, the trajectory yeah. of the team? Like, really? Like, cool. We saw a TikTok from and the BS report brought to you by the worst franchise in NBA right now, the Brooklyn Nets. 
Like, are we really waiting for Ben Simmons to change the trajectory of this team right now? Something has to change, Nick. I don't know. We don't get paid tens, millions and millions of dollars to make those decisions. If you're getting paid millions of dollars to lead a team, like Jacques Vaughn is signed until 26, 27, thank you very much. Like, we all think, or every single Nets fan who is at least semi-invested, you cannot justify keeping Jacques Vaughn beyond this season, beyond the next five to 10 games, mind you. But I don't think it's going to happen because Josiah doesn't have the guts or balls to do so. And he said that he wants this. He wants the low sort of stakes, the vibes, the quarter chill team, rather than you know, being a contending team with having to deal with culture stuff, whatever. He's not going to want to do that to his back pocket either because he's going to have to have, he would have been paying Steve Nash, he would be paying Jacques Vaughn, and he would have been paying Kenny Atkinson. It's just like, this team, man, like, uh, there are so many bad things happening right now. There's many bright lights here or there if you look close enough, but you need bloody microscope or binoculars to see it. Yeah, and sometimes it feels like the Nets are almost trying to cover up those bright lights themselves. You know, not giving us the opportunity to watch, you know, Jalen Wilson, Noah Clowney's doing well in the G League, you know, more opportunities for Cam Thomas, and even just trying to get Lonnie Walker back in the mix. It just seems like there's so many questions with this team. Jack, anything else on this game you want to talk about before we get out of here? I wanted to ask you, Nick, more so, what next? Like, yeah. what is next for the for this Brooklyn Nets team? Like, I think if it, it was a- up to me, like, I think I would just fire Sean Marks and Jacques Vaughn today. Um, and I, I don't know if, you know, Sean Marks is definitely, like, worth firing, but I think you just need to reset the team. He's hired the head coaches. The head coaches haven't really been effective. You, know, you could argue your last two head coaches have been really bad hires and have caused, you know, further damage to the team. You know, Steve Nash specifically during the big three error, and then obviously Jacques Vaughn, what he's doing right now, and, you know, arguably lowering trade value of guys that you could be moving at the deadline. I think maybe you could bring in a GM right now. It's a month before the deadline. You feel okay, especially if it's an experienced NBA head to come in and just, like, make those moves and kind of set you on the right track because right now what's happening is just it's it's not great. Or maybe you just fire Vaughn, you roll with Marks until, you know, April when the season's over and then you bring in a new guy and let him run the off season in the draft. But I think Vaughn definitely has to go because there has to just be a new voice to help a lot of these guys just play better. You know, you don't want to, you know, sour an opportunity with a player because of the head coach that's currently in, you know, in, in charge, you know, you want these young guys to feel good. You want them to like Brooklyn. You want to kind of keep your, your standard and your culture and your vibe, like up from what you were able to establish essentially in the last you know, five to seven years, it hasn't been amazing, but it hasn't been as bad as what's going on right now. And I think you could really allow more damage to be done if you don't show aggressiveness in making a change. Yeah, a couple things on that, Nick. One, KD was right, maybe. Like, he he calls for it. Now, obviously, that's revisionist history, but, you know, I'd rather see Kevin Ollie lead this team, right? Let, let, let him have an opportunity to sort of, Take where take the reins and, and see what he can sort of do. But yeah, the the way the the Sean Marks era is one of many ups and many downs. Now, yeah. did he build the franchise into a position to be on the fringe of championship status with KD, James Harden, Kyrie Irving? You can make an argument for that. But you can also make an argument that he could have done more slash should have done more for them to be in that position. Like I, I just think that thing whether you're going back to to square one 
so be it. You know, obviously, maybe Josiah doesn't want to do that. Sean Marks doesn't want to do that because of the fact that the Nets draft history is tied to to the Houston Rockets for the near future. I can, I guess, kind of understand that. But, like, just something needs to change, man. Because, like, uh, there's not just, like, anger and, and with this team and frustration with this team. It's, like, apathy and discontent. Like, I don't... Who cares? Like, I... I Despite and that creates like a lack of passion. And, well, you know? I was gonna say you talked about it earlier how they were like hyping up, like oh, we have fans across the world, blah blah blah. Well, this type of bad vibe and losing and what's going on right now is creates a disinterest and all that momentum you just obtained from having Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden and the, even the excitement at the end of last year, you're losing that game by game. Like you, you know, you talked about it. Like we're obviously very obsessed with this team. We've spent thousands of hours you know watching and recording and doing all the stuff related to the brooklyn nets and if we're telling you that we're disinterested and don't want to record podcasts or watch this team i think that's sending a bigger message than anything you know and i'm obviously not trying to like toot our own horn and say we're like the most amazing fans in the world but if we're losing interest and we're not happy about what's going on and can't find bright spots that that's saying a lot especially because we've been known to be a little bit too optimistic at times and this this season feels like as bad as it gets in terms of watching a sports team. Yeah, and I think like fans need to make it hurt for Josiah where he doesn't want it to hurt the most, and that's his pockets. Don't buy the merch. Don't go to the games. Like, who wants to watch the Nets at Barclays Center right? Well, now? it didn't sound like there was a lot of net fans there tonight. It sounded like it a lot sounded of like heat the heat. Fans. Like they yeah. were saying, like there were bigger heat chants. Like, look. I'll take the L from former Knicks fans about saying like, you know, just if you want to go to a cheap game for the Knicks versus Nets, just go to Barclays. It's like, like we have to take all the L's in the world as Nets fans right now, Nick. And it's, it's kind of embarrassing. And, yeah. and that's where, that's, that's where, where the, that's where we're at, mate. That is where we are at. Um, fun pod though. Fun pod. Yeah. Great time recording with you, Jack. Big thanks everybody for listening. And you can still check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Probably won't be recording as much until the Nets make some changes, but we'll still be here.